on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irokti, a yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientolum againom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. We now intend to hold two referendums on the inclusive concept of the family and the recognition of family care on International Women's Day in 2024, Friday the 8th of March. We are going to cast our votes in two referendums next month. They propose changes to our constitution relating to the concept of family and care in the home. The government announced two referendums to be held in March, one on expanding the definition of the family in the constitution and the second on removing the reference to women in the home. If you can only be told that you're in a durable relationship by a court, how do you fill out your tax return at the end of any given year? Do you tell your tax inspector that your relationship is durable and you're claiming excellence? I'm out on the doors at the moment in canvassing and people want to see change with regard to care and they see this as an opportunity for having a transformation with how we treat care. But exactly what are we being asked to decide on? One of the things you will hear in this debate is you don't know what it means, leave it as is, don't touch it. There has to be a better way. But there isn't actually a third option on this ballot paper. It's yes or no. I'm Tabitha Monaghan and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Kevin Doyle, Group Head of News at Media House Ireland, to discuss what implications our votes can have on the future and explain what voting yes or no means in both referendums. Kevin, the referendum is coming up now on the 8th of March. There are two separate things we're being asked to vote on. Can you explain what they are? Yeah, look, I think everybody knows the referendum is coming. Referendums, which is the way, at least in the Irish Independent, we describe them in opposed to referenda. That in itself can be a, a debate around these things. People, I think, largely have a vague idea that it's something to do with what is often called the place of women in the home and around carers and the definition of families. Now, that's all very vague and not entirely accurate, actually. So there are two votes. And the first one does look at 
the meaning of family, if you like. At the minute, family is kind of based on marriage, but the question will be asked in that space, should it also be based on other lasting relationships? And that's going to be defined if the referendum passes as durable relationships. And maybe we'll talk about that in a few moments because that is the big issue of contention there. But this, I suppose, moving, trying to move away from this idea of the traditional 1930s family that was in the original constitution when it was written, man, woman and their multiple children, basically. The second vote looks at the part of the constitution that talks about the life of women and the duties of mothers in the home. And that was originally put in there to recognise that women in that era played a particular uh, caring role in the home, bringing up children, looking after their husbands, if you like, a very quaint old Ireland perception of the world. And really, how should that be reflected in modern Ireland. Now, some people think that's perfectly fine to recognise the place of mothers and women in that way. What the government are proposing is that we move into a broader definition of that, basically, that would actually factor in that uh, men uh, sometimes look after the family now too and don't go out to work. And some people even now don't identify as a man or a woman at all. And that in itself proves controversial for some people when they look at these referendums. And it's on March 8th, which is significant when we're talking about women and their roles and what their jobs are within society as well. Yeah, this was obviously a political decision taken by the government. This referendum has been talked about for years. Um, it is one of those ones that kind of just... It comes into the ether every now and again and a minister gets asked what they think of that line in the constitution about women and a minister says, oh, we have to have a vote. They had a citizens' assembly to look at some of this and finally the government has decided to do it. We had proposed, as the citizens' assembly did, that this would recognise care both in the home and indeed in the wider community. And I think it's fair to express a disappointment on my own behalf that the definition of care presented by the government in your own proposed wording is more restrictive. But the significance, I guess, of having it on March the 8th is that it is International Women's Day. And I guess in some ways the government were perhaps hoping that a lot of the lobby groups, the NGOs, the people who organise events for International Women's Day, as as happens every year now, regardless of, of what else is happening in the world, that they would get behind this and that perhaps that, that would be a, a symbolic uh, movement to get people out voting. You just said some people aren't sure what this is about. Do you think that will impact turnout? Definitely. I think there is quite a lot of apathy around this. We could see one of the lowest turnouts, I suspect, ever for a referendum. And referendum turnouts tend to be pretty low as it is. If you look back over history, general elections tend to have, in the mid-60s, you'll get 62, 3, 4, 5% of people. So pretty much two thirds of people will turn out for a general election. When you have referendums on their own, it can often be close to half that. So if you look back, the same-sex marriage one in 2015, obviously that was a huge moment, if you like, in Irish society, Irish history. That got 61% turnout. So if you think about how big that was, the amount of people and families who had a vested interest in that particular referendum and how it got the whole country talking. It dominated the media and political debate for weeks in the run-up to it. And that still only got 61%. Take other things. The children's rights referendum in 2012, 
34% Ooh, was low. the turnout in that. Very, very low. The referendum to abolish the Shannad, 39%. So you can see the kind of figures you're getting into um, for other issues. And even those issues were probably a little bit more gettable in some ways than this. The Nice referendum, of course, was a huge one. You asked, could the turnout affect the way voting goes in the day? Well, the first Nice referendum had a 34% turnout. And of course, that was the one that was rejected. The subsequent referendum had a 50% turnout and that was the one that passed. And what, obviously there was changes made to the Nice Treaty on the back or Ireland got guarantees around some of the contents of the Nice Treaty. But one analysis of that would suggest that in the first case, the people who wanted to vote no were much more motivated to actually come out and vote. And you could see something like that here that could spring a surprise where those who are against these changes are much more motivated to actually get up and go to the voting box. Whereas most people, there's a lot of people, I think, maybe not most, but there's a lot of apathy. So voting involves you actually having to be active and to think about it and to go out and do it. Um, and I think that would be a concern for the politicians that that voting turnout could be very low. It is putting that effort in and then you wonder how will this vote impact my life, whether it goes one way or the other. So we might take a look at the two separate votes that we're being asked to participate in. What changes in the constitution are proposed about the family and relationships? And do you think there's going to be a significant change in people's lives depending on what way that goes? Yeah, so the family one looks at Article 41 of the Constitution. I'll read out what it currently says and what they're suggesting, but I don't want to get too heavy because I think people get lost in the language of the Constitution. It is a legal document, so we might try and, I don't want to say dumb it down, but I I kind of mean dumb it down, to yeah. be honest. But at the moment, it recognises the family as the natural primary and fundamental unit group of society and as a moral institution possessing inalienable and imprescribable rights. You see where I'm going with my, yes. the legal language. Basically, what they want to do is insert the text that the family would be counted as a unit that's either founded on marriage or other durable relationships because there is a separate reference in that section of the Constitution where the state pledges itself to guard with special care the institution of marriage on which the family is founded and to protect it against attack. So the idea is to delete that bit that says on which the family is founded and to add in this idea of whether it's founded on marriage or durable relationships. Will that affect my life and your life day to day, Tabitha? I would suggest that for most people, it probably won't. But for a lot of people, and the argument in favour from the yes side is that that opens it up to the more modern family, if you like. Unless they're married to each other, the state doesn't recognise them as a family. And if you're sitting in the court listening to the state argue that your family is not a family, that's a fairly lonely and frightening situation that you think the constitution of your country doesn't recognise you as a family. There are lots of people who's family unit is not based on marriage. Single parents, for example, same-sex couples that haven't gone walking down the aisle. And that's what they're trying to get at with durable relationships. But that particular definition of durable relationships is what's proving controversial Is, is that case. the problem? Because we haven't actually been given an explanation as to what will be meant by a durable relationship. And that is that the courts are going to decide what that means. And that I think is the tricky part for the yes side to explain to some extent. They are kind of saying you have to open up the definition of the family. 
yes, the courts will have to decide ultimately what it means. But Sinead Ryan, our colleague, had wrote quite a good piece. And I just thought there was a funny line in it, which I think gets to the nub of the problem here, which was she said that I've been in a number of durable relationships. Only two of them ended in marriage. Uh, did I love other people in those relationships? Sure, for the years of commitment. Would I attest to it in court? Yes, I would have at the time. Now, no. So who's to define a durable relationship? That is kind of the question that hangs there a little bit. Are people happy to allow it be decided by the courts? One of the things you will hear in this debate is, you don't know what it means, leave it as is, don't touch it. There has to be a better way. But there isn't actually a third option on this ballot paper. It's yes or no. It's, it's a very straightforward decision. So if you vote no, the family stays as it is now in that Eamon de Valera's vision of the family. If you vote yes, then you change it to this idea of a durable relationship and the courts will likely have to decide. It has raised the question for people like Senator Michael McDool, who was writing in the Farming Independent about his concerns on durable relationships during the week. In effect, that the courts will decide on a kind of a blank check basis issues of fundamental policy for instance, in relation to wills being revoked, Succession Act rights, immigration rights, family reunification rights, the courts will be deciding that. And the Iraqis will be staring at decisions coming down from the courts, which can only be amended by referendum. He was questioning, could you have a situation where farmland becomes disputed because the farmer is in a relationship, not married, as you would normally, I suppose that's where inheritance comes into it. But could, if the farmer died, could someone claim that they were in a durable relationship and therefore make a claim over the land. And that is the type of thing that we could in future see in the courts. So there, there is, I guess, a question of are you happy for the courts to decide that down the line or do you want to stick with the version that exists already? So that's marriage, the role of marriage, the role of the family within the constitution and what we're going to be voting on there. But there's also another one and that's the role of women. Yeah. So what, can we go into a little bit deeper into what that one is? There are a number of mentions of women and you know, the old joke, I, I was talking to friends about this the other day and they were talking about, oh, you know, the, the old joke, oh, keep the women tied to the sink, you know, I'm voting no, keep them tied to the sink, which is not actually what the constitution says. But over the decades, there has been this perception that the constitution believed that women should be stuck at home and that the men will be the breadwinner and go out and, and earn a living. What it actually says is that the state recognises by her life within the home that the woman gives to the state a support without which the common good cannot be achieved. So it's not quite saying she's not allowed to go out and work. And that's obvious. You're sitting here, Tabitha, as a, as a working woman uh, who, you know, doesn't neglect her homely duties, I'm sure. Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, your partner might take a view on it. But it, it, people read a lot into these things. And yes, the yes side make the argument that it's old fashioned, it's sexist to be singling out women in that way because many men, again, now provide a lot of the domestic work. Uh, so what they're looking at doing in this case is to try and make it more about carers and to take this idea away from that it's just 
the woman in the home. For the first time there will be in our constitution, you know, in our highest document, a recognition and a valuing of care. And care is really important in all our lives in terms of we all give and receive care. And by putting in place this recognition, it's recognising a traditional role that that women have played, but it's widening it out and it's saying that we need to recognise care within families. So what it's proposing to do, sorry, I should also say that there is another part of Article 41 which talks about the state endeavouring to ensure that mothers shall not be obliged by an economic necessity to engage in labour to the neglect of their family duties in the home. So again, you can see how people would take issue with that particular language. So what is proposed is that the state will now, instead of recognising the mother in that way, would recognise the provision of care by members of a family to one another by reason of the bonds that exist between them gives a support to society without which the common good cannot be achieved and that the state shall strive to support such provision. Now, that gets rid of some of the older language. A lot of people are saying it doesn't go far enough in terms of what it actually would achieve in practical terms. So we're moving from language like an endeavouring to support that family caring unit to striving to support a varied definition of the family unit that looks more at carers than mothers per se. So that's where the debate centres on that is, is it enough? But again, as I said with the previous referendum amendment, there isn't a third option. It is yes, it is no. If you vote no, there is no guarantee that the government will go away and come up with a different language that might be more amenable. But that is where that debate is centering at the moment. Practically speaking, though, again, if this passes and it gets the yes vote, is this going to change people's lives? Because again, you brought up the part of the section that says that women won't be forced through economic necessity to go and work and then neglect their duties. I think there might be some women out there who would say, actually, that's not the case at all, that in order to pay rent or put their child through school or whatever it is, that they do have to go out and work and that that is part of the deal. So it hasn't really impacted women's lives, has it? Not really. I mean, we we live in a country where traditionally at the foundation of the state, Women did largely stay at home. Women were the carers. They raised the children. They looked after the domestic issues and the man brought home the money. Like that's just the truth. And there was a marriage bar at the time as well. And then we had a a marriage bar where women who got married who worked in public service had to give up their jobs. So it was perhaps in that era something that was probably a more powerful statement. Nowadays, in a world where we have, well, we're far from equal, but We now talk about gender pay gaps. We now expect to see women as CEOs in companies. It is a very, very different society. And so has it stopped women from getting on and pushing through the glass ceiling? It hasn't, is the truth in this modern era. But the yes campaigners would say, but that doesn't make it right that it's sitting there in our constitution, which is our little blue book of Ireland, if you like, that tells us what this country values and what this country stands for. That is basically what the constitution does. So the yes side would argue that it's outdated. The no side would argue, yes, that it doesn't make any difference. The reality of people's lives is that mothers and fathers are getting up at 6.30 in the morning. They're commuting for an hour and a half. They're working nine hour days. They're doing it all in reverse in the evening time. They're on a a treadmill because of the economic necessity of high rents and high mortgages. And they don't get to spend time with their family as they would like. And actually, this does absolutely nothing for them 
and in real terms, it actually reduces the level of protections that it has for those. And there are also some on the no side who who have argued that by getting rid of phrases like the woman in the home and the mother, that actually we're removing something that has been fundamental to society. That traditional idea that the mother had a very strong caring role. Do we want to get rid of that or should we actually respect it still just to try and bring in more neutral language? That's what the no side was saying. Why are you taking the mother out? We all value our mothers and what they've done for us. So why wouldn't you keep that in the Constitution? What about the Catholic Church in this? Because you mentioned other bigger referendums that had more significant turnouts like the marriage referendum or the Eighth Amendment referendum. Has the church said one way or the other or expressed views on the referendums? Yeah, the church does tend to take a position on such issues like this. So it's perhaps unsurprising that they have and they are going for no, no. They want people to leave the constitution as it is, basically. And they had a statement read out at masses recently to that effect. I suppose the first thing they said was that everyone should vote, that democracy should be something we all take part in. There are reasons for saying no. Well, the first one on the question around marriage and the place of marriage in the constitution versus durable relationships. Well, they say that if this goes true, that it would diminish the unique importance of marriage in a family in the eyes of society and the state, and that therefore it would weaken the incentive for young people to actually go and get married, which is uh, their argument. So that basically durable relationships is kind of shrouded in legal uncertainty and it's open to interpretation, whereas marriage is very black and white in terms of a public and legal commitment. Now, it is worth saying that Roderick O'Gorman, for example, the equality minister who's doing a lot of the front running from the government side on this, disagrees with that completely. And he says that this new version in the constitution won't supersede marriage at all because the rights and responsibilities for the state around marriage are actually set out separate to the constitution in legislation. So anything that recognises marriage, he says, is really in law rather than in the constitution anyway. On the second one around the place of women in the home, as it's been controversially called, the church is I would say unsurprisingly concerned about the idea that we would delete terms like woman and mother from the constitution. And they're actually saying that the place of the mother should be recognised. And rather than removing that altogether, it would have been better if the government had proposed to add in that the state recognises the provision of care by men and women so that you get both genders in there. But obviously that is not what is on the paper on the day. So that is just not an option. Okay, final two questions for you. First one, how do people vote? What do people need to do or to check before the 8th of March? And then lastly, why should people vote? You know, you were saying there's apathy towards this, but it's still important that people partake in this. Yeah, so people will get, uh, I know I haven't yet, but I presume some people have, they will get a booklet through their letterbox at some stage before March 8 from what we call the Electoral Commission. And that's the body that's been set up to oversee elections and referendums. I would suggest reading that because it is very plain, simple language, probably more plain and simple than what we've even tried to do here. Check the register.ie is where you can go on to see if you're registered to vote. If you are, then you'll get a polling card and that'll tell you where your local school is closing down, for example, for the day that you can you can go in and vote. Why should you vote? Well, I suppose there is two ways of looking at that. Some people would say to not vote is a protest in itself. And if you don't know, then maybe the easiest thing to do is to stay at home. Personally, I, I take a slightly different view of that is that if you don't know and you 
want to register a protest, I would actually still show up and spoil your ballot paper because at least then you've taken part in democracy and democracy the world over without getting too highbrow is under threat. We have seen what has happened in the UK, in America, in different parts of Europe. And how that happens is when people start to get disinterested. You can't moan about it afterwards if you haven't gone and voted. So if if you want to give out, I always say go and vote. It's a simple process. It only takes a few minutes. It's not like America where you could have to queue for hours. You tend to maybe have to wait a minute or two if it's a busy time before work or after work. But people should always go out and vote. And turnouts of 30% is really, that's not democracy in action, to be honest. And my thanks to Kevin Doyle for joining me today. I'm Tabitha Monaghan and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Ian Doyle, researched by Adriana Rona, with sound by Rory Bones. Archive clips from RTE News, Today with Claire Byrne, The Tonight Show on Virgin Media News and Independent.ie. If you enjoyed the Indo-Daily, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review. We're offering Indo Daily listeners 50% off an Irish independent digital subscription. Head over to independent.ie forward slash redeem to sign up for unlimited access to premium content, e-paper, puzzles and more. Just enter the code INDO, that's I-N-D-O, to receive 50% off your subscription. Stay informed and engage. Subscribe today.